Wednesday night we spoke about choosing the victory, dealt with that topic. And uh, this morning, I want to look at one of the primary reasons why people lose the victory. Amen. We need to choose to have the victory. Pardon me. We need to choose to have the victory. And this is one of the reasons why people lose the victory. The trap of offense. The trap of offense. First of all, I want to read out of Matthew chapter 24. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, and verse 10, as Jesus describes the spiritual atmosphere of these last days in which we live. And then shall many be offended. Many shall be offended, Jesus says, and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Now turn to Mark's Gospel. Chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, verses 16 through 17, speaking of the stony ground hears, Jesus describes or gives us a definition of what these stony ground hears are in the parable of the sower, and have no root in themselves, or pardon me, verse 16, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness. I've seen a lot of people hear the gospel with gladness, but two or three years later, they're nowhere to be found. Because I can tell you what they're after. They're after what God has, and not after God Himself. And that's the problem in this hour. There's a lot of people that want what God has. They want what God can do for them, but they don't want God Himself. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or trouble or tribulation, that's what that word means, or persecution, arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Now turn to Psalms 119. Very familiar verse here. I love this verse. Hallelujah. Psalms 119 and 165. This tells you about real Christians here. This defines real believers. Amen? Psalms 119 and 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. A Christian does not get offended. Amen? Or if a Christian gets offended... They cease to be a Christian. Do you understand? It's not a Christian experience. It's the wrong attitude of heart. It's outside of Christ. If I remain in Christ, amen, it's impossible for me to be offended. We're going to talk this morning about the trap of offense. Father, we give you praise this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. Quicken us according to thy Word. Speak to us. Expose us. Edify us. Build our faith to do your perfect will. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you read in the, the second letter to Timothy by the Apostle Paul, he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy, Holy Ghost, and he declared that the last days would be very perilous or dangerous times. And he just echoed what the Lord Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 24. But he explained why. These days are dangerous, he said, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. 
And that's the root problem with mankind is sinfulness or selfishness. Amen. When I, I demanded everything circle up around me. We know that the commandments of love that Christ gave to the church is to love God supremely with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, the opposite of that is to love me, myself, and I. Amen. To put others second and to put God last. That's antichrist. That's a spirit of religion. And they've got a lot of folks in church that speak in tongues that think about nothing but themselves. But they cloak it with a veneer of religion. It's a dangerous time in which to live. He said that that last day shall be perilous times. And then he proceeds to list every conceivable wickedness that could flow from the human heart in 2 Timothy chapter 3. That's because the root of all sin is indeed selfishness. You know, today we live in a dog-eat-dog atmosphere where everyone seems to be only concerned about themselves. And unfortunately, this atmosphere has crept into the church. Amen. You can go into churches, and I've been in churches, amen, where they'll say, see that sister over there? Amen. She's such a lovely, you know, humble sister. You'll find out how humble she is. If you correct her with the Word of God, she'll want to rip off your head. Amen. The folks that are just waiting, just, you know, carrying a chip on their shoulder, if you touch them, if you speak to them, if you correct them, they'll blow up like a bullfrog. Never been dealt with. They've never been to the cross. The cross does away with all that. Amen? The opportunity to be used, the opportunity to be misguided and generally mistreated has drastically increased in our times because the Apostle Paul said evil men and seducers so wax worse and worse deceiving and being deceived. This is the most wicked age in the history of the human race. And tomorrow will be more wicked than today. Because, listen to me, the nature of the fall is that the, the fallen realm just falls more and more out of control, further and further away from God. Apart from a sovereign move of God, apart from revival in our culture, then things are going to continually get worse and worse. Therefore, for you and I as Christians, I believe it's imperative that we walk close to the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can maintain a right heart and a right spirit at all times, lest we become bitter. You know, I talk to people all the time, whether it be on the street, whether it be, you know, folks in church, in the prison, wherever you go and minister, and they'll come to you and they'll say, you know, I've really been done wrong. I've really, you know, been misused. Somebody didn't talk to me, right? Somebody stabbed me in the back. You know, you just always want to say, listen, welcome to reality. That's the way life is. Why don't you just suck it up and follow Christ? Amen. Why don't you just be a man or a woman of God and just forgive and suffer the wrong? But our generation is preoccupied with itself. That's what it is. Listen to me. We live in a generation that's preoccupied with itself. That's the furthest thing from genuine Christianity. Do you hear me? And it's repulsive in the eyes of God. This morning we're going to look at this subject of offenses. And I want us to ask ourselves this question. Are we easily offended? Is it easy for us to become offended? And I want you to know 
See, you know, I'm going to deal with, just like I preach Wednesday night, and I'm going to teach you this morning, and next Sunday morning I'm going to also preach a message just right along these lines. But I'm telling you, this is carnality unmasked. You want to find out if a man is carnal? You find a man that's easily wounded and offended. It's childish. It's sickening. It's vile. It's a, it's a reproach upon the name of Christ. And we need to guard ourselves from such an attitude of heart. In Luke chapter 17 verse 1, Jesus said that it is impossible, but that offenses will come. They're going to come. Things are going to happen. You're going to be done wrong. Things are going to people are going to mistreat you. You're going to find yourself in circumstances. Amen. You know, everything's not going to be conducive to your comfort. You'd better prepare your spirit. I think the first thing that we need to understand if we're going to overcome offenses is that we're going to have the opportunity sooner or later to be offended. Every one of us. Do you hear me? Sooner or later... We're going to have an opportunity to be offended. You can't live in this world today and not face certain trouble. And on the other hand, as Christians, you and I, the desire to be conformed to the image of Christ, if we're truly going to be discipled after the biblical pattern, then we are certainly going to be crossed. We're going to be challenged in this area. Amen. The Word of God's going to deal with us. Yea, God Himself is going to touch us. Amen. You know, it's the nature of the Holy Ghost to get down to the nuts and the bolts of, you know, the, the guts of a man and to tinker and to deal with the essence of who we are. That's the nature of the Spirit of God. But in this shallow generation, everything is on the surface. Everything is just this deep. Amen. You just stay that far away from me and no closer. Amen. I, I can handle things by myself. I, I know all about that, mister. Amen. I can read the Bible for myself. This generation that does not want to see, receive correction, that does not want to be dealt with and disciplined, it doesn't want nobody to dig into the secret place. But the Spirit of God is going to deal with our heart if we're going to truly be the vessels that He desires us to be. You just look at the pattern of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he dealt with those twelve. He rebuked him in front of their peers, called them devils, called them childish. And they dealt with them. He, he said bruising, brutal things to them, even in front of their peers. They were willing to be dealt with. They were willing to be corrected, and so must we. Amen. So we need to understand that we will be dealt with as Christians. And we're going to have an opportunity to be offended. You know, Jesus in the scriptures is referred to as a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Jesus Christ is offensive to the heart that does not want to fall upon that stone and be broken. It will grind everything to powder that stands in its way. You know, we read of the parable of the sower of the stony ground hearers and a mark of those stony ground hearers was that when tribulation or persecution Arises because of the word, by and by they're offended. And what is it? They become offended with the way. Narrow is the way. The way is Christ. There's a way. I want you to hear that. You know, we, we, we know that's a scriptural verse, 
but it just often passes over our head. The term has lost all its power and vitality. Amen. There is a narrow way that leadeth to life. There's a way that seemeth right to man. What is that way? That's the broad way. Amen. The end thereof is what? Destruction, the broad path. Amen. The wide gate leadeth to destruction, Jesus said. So there is a way that God has laid out before us. That's His perfect will. We must embrace it. It's not always going to be comfortable. It's not going to be the shortcut. It's not going to be, you know, the, the quickest way. Amen. The five steps to success that we can hear about, you know, from, you know, from, uh, you know, the marketers in New York City. It's God's way. And the way up is down. That's God's way. He's going to bring us down. He's going to humble us. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that you what? May be exalted in due season. That's God's way to prepare a holy vessel. Amen. We also need to understand if that we allow offenses to creep into our heart, it's going to defile our spirit and it's going to immediately stifle our Christian walk. If we don't recognize offenses for what they are, then our joy is going to be stolen. Amen. And we can be put in the worst of bondage. If we fail to respond, and this is the key because we're all going to have the opportunity to be offended. We're going to, people are going to misuse this. That just, that comes with the territory. I heard a missionary say one time that, you know, a Christian is nothing more than an anointed doormat. Amen. I, I didn't know exactly what he meant then as a young Christian. I know what he means now. That's the truth. Amen. He had been down that road. Amen. He had been dealt with. He, he had been used before. As a, listen to me. That just comes with the territory. We have to willingly give our lives for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have to respond properly to offenses or they will totally cut us off from our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody has the right to be offended. Just like no one has the right to lose the victory. And that's closely linked. You know, there's an old saying, you'll never grow past your last offense. Hey, then God's going to deal with you. Because really, offense is closely linked to unforgiveness. And if you don't forgive, then you're not going to be forgiven. Do you understand? And you're going to stop right there. You're going to stagnate in the spirit. Typically, offenses are birthed out of disagreements. Perceived or actual wrongs or sought discord among individuals of differing opinions. Likewise, when pet notions and people are crossed with the Word of God, they also become defensive, resentful, and angry. Amen. There's little hunger in this hour to truly know God. As I mentioned before, little hunger in this hour truly to be discipled. You know, you can't, it doesn't matter what you have. You can have a million dollars, but if somebody won't empty their bank account, you can't give it to them. Amen. You can be in a desert where men are dying of thirst and have a cup of cold water, but if they won't empty their cups of dry sand, you can't give them life. God resists the proud. Amen. God feeds the hungry. Amen. That hungry soul, every bitter thing becomes sweet. And there's just no hunger in this hour to really know God in most cases. Amen. And offense could be something really devastating that somebody purposely did to hurt us. However, it may be something very simple and insignificant that is perceived to be extremely important. And usually that's what it is. Amen. Because you and I are not that important. I mean, you know, you just dirt. That's all you are. 
That's all we are. We're just dirt. Just dirt. Amen. Who do you think you are? Why? To lose the victory that someone did you wrong. Amen. That, you know, that's a self-exaltation of our person. We're going to be done wrong. Let's just abide in the person of Christ. He is to be the center of all things. Amen. I've never seen in this hour, never seen so many people in, in the church with a tendency to be offended like today. I mean, it's just everywhere. You can see it on people. If you just did, just like Charlie was talking about his employers. And he says they give off a certain air. And these men, they claim to be Christians. Is that right? One of them's in ministry. Is that, is that right? Now, I don't know if they really are. I don't think they really are. But, uh, you know, they claim to be Christians, but they give off an air. In other words, they're going to make their boss pay a price just to tell them what to do. You know, just give off an air. Don't you tell me what to do. I'll make you pay. I'll make you, your whole day miserable. Oh, that's a wicked, evil, demonic spirit. Amen. There's just no desire to really, you know, do the right thing. But just that tendency, and you see that in the house of God. I, I've seen this all my Christian life. Amen. You know that the whole uh, uh, custom of the pastor going to the back door to shake everybody's hand. You know, I believe that was birthed out of that, you know, the pastor didn't shake my hand today. The pastor, you know, didn't talk to me today. All that kind of childish, infantile mentality. So, you know, they cater to that and go to the back door and shake everybody's hand so people don't get offended, so they'll keep coming to church. Whole organizations, whole denominations, whole, you know, local churches established and built as spiritual nurseries with a pastor running around with a, you know, a spiritual nunu trying to appease all these, you know, carnal attitudes of heart. You got that spirit in here today. I'm praying for wisdom to offend you and run you off. Amen. Either to get you in this altar and get right with God. Amen. Or leave. That we I'm never gonna cater to that spirit that's offended because everybody doesn't circle up around them. Amen. And it's that's a pitiable sight when you see people so bound by themselves that they don't even realize it. When we fail to keep our heart free from offenses, it's going to choke the life of God out of our being. John 16 and 1, Jesus warned his disciples. He said, these things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. In other words, be prepared. Get ready. Things are going to happen. You're going to be missed. You're going to find yourself in all types of situations. I'm warning you. Don't allow yourself to be offended. Amen. He said, be prepared. Things are going to happen. Don't allow offense in your, offense in your heart. Because if you and I get offended, then we're indeed going to stumble. And without repentance, we're going to fall away. Because to become offended is a beginning that leads to a logical end. And that's damage. I want you to search your heart. I want you to be honest before God. Because listen to me, lots of people become so offended and they don't even know they're offended. They're offended with their mates. They're offended with their children. They're offended with their pastor. They're offended with somebody. And they've just harbored it for so long and justified it for so long that they don't even recognize, amen, that they're offended. So for you and I, we need the Holy Ghost, amen to expose our heart, that if we've allowed or given place to any offense, that the Holy Ghost would speak to us this morning. Amen. You know, I've, I've known a lot of people that were once on fire for God, 
was, you know, actively part of a local church, but today they're either, you know, lukewarm, they're either, you know, totally outside of the house of God, or they're uninvolved, or they're just aimlessly uncommitted, and they may offer a lot of reasons. They're busy, they're this, you know, they can't find a good church. But I tell you, in most cases, people have become offended. That's what it is. They've become offended. And they've become offended with God. They may look at a certain individual. Amen. But every offense is, is either directly or indirectly linked to the person of God. So I want to look at this subject this morning. We don't need to offer any excuses anymore, any justifications, but let's be made free from offense. And I want to just look at it from several different, different angles. First of all, what does it mean? Let's define it. What does it mean to be offended? In Matthew 11 and 6, Jesus said, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Amen. Happy, blessed is the man that rejects all offense and does so in the person of Christ. He's not offended with Jesus. He's not offended with the way. And he refuses to be offended by even his enemies, those who would purposely try to destroy him. But he's chosen his heart to love those that would despitefully use them, to pray for them, and to stand for them. We know that offended people, they're what sometimes described as hurt, wounded, upset, and insulted. And again, you know, the movement in America, they, you know, they are, they are uh, uh, taking it, this as an opportunity. They're exploiting this victim mentality to build churches. You go by the church, are you hurting? A hurting church for a hurting world. They're, listen to me, they're tapping in to this selfish mentality to draw a crowd. When there's only one answer for such an attitude of heart. And that's a cross. And the cross is an invitation to die. What are you whining and whimpering about? Come and follow Jesus and put that to death and be liberated and set free. That's the call of the gospel. That word offense in the English, in Webster's Dictionary, means to cause resentment or wounded feelings, to make stumble something which outrages the senses. In the Greek, the word that's translated into the English word offended, the root word in the Greek means to trip up or to entrap, to cause to stumble. But really the whole idea of a trap, it means literally like the bait that springs the trap. An offense is like that mechanism on a mouse trap that once that rat comes and takes that bait, hey, then that, that arm or that spring is set and his neck is broken and he's caught. Unless, unless a power bigger than himself comes along, he is forever bound. So once you and I become offended, hey, amen, we've got to be set free. Once we've allowed that offense in our spirit or our heart, unforgiveness, bitterness sets in, and then we're going to have to be delivered. And then we need to realize that to become offended is to be hopelessly snared and entrapped by the devil. In Second Corinthians 2, verses 10 through 11, it says, To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. Oh, Paul's got just a spirit of forgiveness. He's ready just to release anybody that did him wrong. Anybody that does anyone, just ready to for, forgive and release. 
For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sake forgave I it in the person of Christ. Well, why, Apostle Paul, why do you say that lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices? That's a point and a scheme of the devil. I'm going to release men. Amen. I'm not going to overlook sin. I'm going to call sin, sin. I'm going to reprove sin. Oh, but I hold anybody does me wrong, I release them and let them go free. I remember Brother Clendenin, he told that nurse, came in, he's 80 years old, they did an examination upon him. He said, I've never seen a man like you so healthy. What's the secret? He says, I remain full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I don't hate anybody. That's good wisdom. I said, that's good advice. I don't hate anybody. I stay full of the Holy Ghost. And I don't hold any grudge against anybody. Bitterness and unforgiveness. That's a breach in the spirit whereby the enemy will come in like a flood. And you know this is true, especially in that home, in that marriage, among that, you know, those that are closest to you. Because nobody can push your button like your mate. Amen. If I walk up to you and tell you something, you know, you say, well, amen, Brother Brett. But let your wife or your husband tell you that. Amen. And you want to swell up for three days. Is that right? Amen. They can touch that heart. They can deal with that, that place that nobody else can deal with. And we need to release one another and walk in forgiveness. You know, some people say, and I've had people say this to me, I've got the right to be offended. Why? Because they, they want to talk about the wrong that's been done to me. How bad. If you only knew what someone did to me, if you only know how I was treated, amen. You see, no, technically, as Christians, we have no right to be offended, but we do have the choice. Hello? You don't have the right, but you can go ahead and be offended if you choose, but there's repercussions. James 5 and 9 says, Grudge not, once against another. Grudge not one against another, brethren. Why? Lest you be condemned. Go ahead. Hold a grudge. You're going to be condemned. Amen. You have the choice, but you don't have the right. The Bible is what? It's our covenant with God. And it reveals, it's the contract that reveals the responsibilities and the privileges of our relationship with God Almighty. Amen. Do we have the right to commit idolatry? Does anybody here, no one here would suggest that we have the right to commit idolatry? But we do have a choice, and we can commit idolatry. It's possible, but it's at the expense of the covenant. Amen. So likewise, we have the choice to be ensnared by the devil with offense if we so choose, but we're going to have to reap the ramifications. There's no escape from that. But as long as you think that you have the right, just on the same ground as we discussed the victory, discuss the victory, we must choose the victory. If you believe, amen, that you have the right, you know, to settle down in a pity party, then that's where you're going to remain, that God overlooks that. But the moment that you embrace in your heart the truth that God hates self-pity, amen, that God demands that you have the victory, that you rejoice evermore and always in every situation, then that truth will make you free. You have to recognize that. I'm not living for myself. Is that right as a Christian? We're not living for ourselves. We're living for another. Amen. So what are we worried about? Amen. If we're done wrong. If we're not living for ourselves. What if I came here this morning and reported to you? Amen. There's a man at the North Pole that someone stole $5 from. Well, you may sympathize with that in a very indirect way, but it's not very personal because you don't live for him. Is that right? Well, why can't we be that detached from our own life? 
If we're truly living for Christ and living for others, if someone does us wrong, amen, it's just an opportunity to glorify God. Because every sinner, when he's done wrong, gets angry. Every sinner, when he's misused, has been out of shape. But when that Christian is misused and that Christian has done wrong, they maintain the victory that testifies that Christ is risen from the dead. And he lives in you and I. Amen. You know, it's not the normal Christian experience as displayed by the example of the Lord Jesus Christ to be offended. Why do people get offended? It's not Jesus. You ever read the Bible where it says Jesus was offended? You never read that? Was anybody done as wrong as Christ? Nobody. Never a man lived that ever was done as wrong as Christ was because he was innocent. He was pure. He was without guile. Amen. He was born as a lamb. Amen. To the slaughter. If anybody had a right to be offended, it would have been Christ. But he was not offended. Amen. And the Bible says in First John 2 and 6, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. That settles it. Nobody has a right to be offended. Amen. Is that right? When Jesus hung on the cross, he didn't say, you offended me. That is what he said. Amen. We know the Bible says in First Peter 3 and 18, for Christ also had once suffered for sins the just for the unjust. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now that, listen to me, that scripture is used a lot as if we shouldn't point out sin. No, that's a totally different thing. I can rail on sin. I can stand authoritatively against sin and yet forgive all my enemies. Do you understand? If someone does me personally wrong, then I'm to release and to forgive. But I'm to stand for Christ. I'm to contend for the faith. I'm to expose sin. I'm to exalt righteousness. I'm to unveil Christ to this generation. I'm to bring light into darkness. But I can forgive and walk in forgiveness and keep a proper spirit. To allow ourselves to be offended, then is to choose to step outside of the person of Christ. If we abide in Christ, then it is impossible for us to be offended. Hence we read the scripture. Amen. Great peace have those that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. It's possible to be offended because we have a free will. But it's not possible to be offended and to remain in Jesus. Amen. We stay in Christ. We can be free. So again, our question, why do people get offended? People get offended because of selfishness. That's why. Because the, the priority of their life has not been ordered according to Scripture. Psalms 106 and 36, the psalmist said, And they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. Self is the number one idol of this generation. No longer are they carving images out of wood and marble in America. Amen. But they're just as idolatrous as the, Africa's, the, the jungles of Africa because they fashion in their mind a God that serves themselves. Amen. That's what they believe. They believe that the end of all things is their own happiness and their own selfish gratification. And they've made themselves to be God. And they're always idolatry. And they're snared by it. They're self-centered. And they're generally consumed with their own happiness and comfort. And this goes under the banner of Christ. This goes under the banner of Christ in this hour. The offended man has an exaggerated self-image. The most important person in his life is himself. That's why he becomes offended when he's crossed. Amen. Romans 12 and 3, for I say through the grace, Give it unto me to every man that is among you, 
everybody not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Man, you know, that's not talking about a man just saying, I think I'm pretty good looking or something. That's, not, that's, not what, that's what people, you know, they boil it down. I, I think I'm, you know, I think I'm a good preacher. You shouldn't think that way. Amen. But it's a deeper principle. Amen. Christ is way, way far above us. Amen. And I'm way, way down here. And don't look, the gulf there. Oh, it, it can't be made up. Amen. There's no, there's no, there's no bringing together, no deifying of man and humanizing of Christ. He's altogether different than you and I. And any, any likeness of Christ that you and I possess is because we are in Him. And it's His life that flows through us and by Him and by His strength and by His grace and by His power. Holiness is the life of Christ and only the life of Christ flowing through an empty vessel. To always to remember our place and to recognize His place. Galatians 6 and 3, For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. You know, when I say things like, you know, you're nothing but dirt, that's very offensive. I've said that in churches before. People, I can tell they don't like it. But you know, really I have to apologize. Because I call just something when you're nothing. That's really a haughty statement, isn't it? The Bible uses stronger language than that. We're not even dirt. We're nothing. Nothing more humbling than that. Oh, you think you're something? You're nothing. You're already deceiving yourself to think that you're something. Nothing more implies carnality than a heart easily offended. Hurt feelings and offenses always have something to do, a link to that old nature, that carnal selfishness. I didn't get my way. The, the person was rude to me. I can't believe I'm being treated this way. After all I did and all I gave that individual or did for this person, they didn't thank me. Amen. You know, all it is is feeling sorry for ourselves. That's always rooted in carnality and it can be defined as self-pity. And I'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. Next week, I'm going to preach on self-pity. I'm going to preach on the dangers of self-pity. All that nobody cares about me. Nobody understands what I'm going through. I'm not important. I'm not important to anybody. Get the victory. Get up out of that power of self-pity. Rise up out of that spirit and take hold of Christ. That's not the Holy Ghost. Amen. Feeling sorry for ourselves is just another form, just a mutation of selfishness and wickedness. That's all it is. People who are easily offended must have people constantly affirming and stroking their ego or they become discontent. You ever been around people like that? Always fishing for compliments. Always looking for you to affirm who and what they are. Amen. Why don't you just find your purpose and identity in Jesus? Amen. Flattery, amen, is you know, you're not to flatter. You're not to do that. And I understand we, we truly are blessed by people. We tell people, say, I'm not talking about that. You know, there's a certain type of spirit in the church that's always looking to be affirmed by man. And if you go ahead and feed that ego, and so Jesus never stroked the ego of his disciples. Hey, it looked like he was just trying to, you know, just, I mean, bring them down to absolute terrible, awful, the dealings 
that he, he dealt with those 12 men. Amen. He's always constantly rebuking them and dealing with them. Amen. He didn't walk around and say, you know, uh, Peter, praise the Lord. You're, you're really, you know, called to preach. One day they're going to call you a pope in Rome. Amen. You're not a pope, but amen. I'm going to call you. You are called to be an apostle. I'm going to use you mightily. You're going to have a worldwide ministry. He never did that. Amen. He always dealt with them. They're all rugged fishermen and brought them down to humble children that he could fill them with the Holy Ghost and use them for his glory. They had to recognize that they could do nothing in and of themselves. You stroke that ego. You stroke that old man. And he's the hindrance to God. To hate my own life. I have to get to a place where I'm totally free from all of that. A man can never be used of God until he is content to be hidden in obscurity. And that's the truth. That's got to be dealt with in every man. It doesn't matter if he's called to preach, a regular Christian. Moses had to be brought on the backside of a desert. He'd been turned into a stutter. The Bible says he was eloquent in speech when he left Egypt. He'd been raised up in the courts of Pharaoh. And God had to bring him on the backside of a desert and let him watch over somebody else's sheep. I said he was working for somebody else, keeping his father-in-law's sheep as a sheep herder before he could be fashioned as a deliverer for Israel. You see the making of men of God all through the Bible, and they had to be brought low before they could ever be exalted. And that's a path that people in this hour do not want to choose. Amen. We've got to embrace God's way and not be offended with, amen, the cross and with God's dealings with us. Amen. People get offended as a matter of choice. And I quoted the scripture Wednesday night, Psalms 119 and 30. I've chosen the way of truth. Isn't that comforting? You can choose the way of truth. You can choose the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. We all have a choice to walk in the freedom that God has laid before us. We've all, we've all got the ability to choose we're commanded, amen, furthermore, to forgive. So we've been commanded to forgive, then we must have the ability and power to forgive. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, that all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That's a commandment, Colossians. 3, 12 through 13, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. You know, love thinketh no evil. And that, that's the thing, you know, you find among people, this, this area, this gray area of temptation where we suppose and make speculation. You know, John Wesley said, It is a rule with me to take nothing ill that is well meant. A lot of times, you know, in the church, you find people say something. You know, their personalities clash a bit. They'll say that they're not meaning to hurt one another. But because there's all this speculation, there's just a deciding of the motive of heart, people get offended with one another. Let's be mature in Christ. Let's choose to take, you know, nothing ill against it. Let's, let's not decide the motive of people's heart. Let's just assume the best. You know, in my experience as a pastor, you know, folks tend to be offended. 
and the people that really that, that have that pattern of becoming offended, they have a very active imagination that the devil exploits. And, you know, the lines of fantasy and speculation tend to bleed over into reality. And when you sit down and talk to people and there's this problem between two people or they have a problem with you and they'll say, well, you said this or they said that or I, they looked at me one morning wrong. And I know they were thinking evil about it. They just, you know, begin to establish all this, you know, speculation as reality and their whole premise is can't even be founded in truth. Well, you know the devil makes a fool of you. When you do that, how many times have I sat with someone? And they said, you preach this, and you were trying to do this to me, and you... Uh, I didn't even know you were going through that. Now, sometimes I do know what you're going through. Sometimes I'm preaching right, I should know I'm preaching. There's nothing wrong with that anyway. Do you hear me? But a lot of times, things are happening... People offended with one another. They may be offended with me. They'll think that I meant something or say, I didn't mean that. That wasn't my heart at all. I, I wasn't thinking that at all. Well, then what happens? Shame. The devil duped you and led you around like a little puppet and got you all out of the will of God. Amen. Just at his will. And you see, we need to be bigger than that. We need to abide in the person of Christ. Amen. These scriptures... Amen. That we read here include all offenses, whether we've been truly wrong or we simply perceive that we've been wrong. Now, sometimes people try to hurt you. That's the truth. Amen. We still don't have the right to be offended. Do you understand? Even if someone means to hurt or means to offend us. Amen. If you're offended, it's because you choose to do so in spite of the clear instructions of God. Because I don't have to be offended. Amen. The Bible says, live at peace with all men. If possible. Now, there's some people you may not get along with. Amen. There's heathen that I'm not going to flow with. Amen. I don't like their lifestyle. I don't have to like it. I don't agree with it, and I don't have to agree with it. Amen. But I love them. What is love? There's a benevolence in my spirit to where I wish God's highest good toward that sinner or toward that persecutor or that mocker or what have you. I desire that they be born again. But I don't approve of their lifestyle. I don't like their lifestyle. I hate it. It makes me sick. Amen. There's a lot of sinners I know. Their entirety and the totality of their being. Amen. It repulses the Spirit of God. And God didn't ask me not to be repulsed, but He asked me to wish for their highest good and to pray for it. That's what it is to love your enemy. Amen. Not that you've got to agree with the wrong or that you've got to somehow embrace the wrong, but you just have to respond properly to who they are. People get offended because they're full of pride. Proverbs 13 and 10, and I again quoted this. This will just be, amen, line upon line. We'll just reiterate the truth. Proverbs 13 and 10. Only by pride cometh contention. Only by pride. Lots of folks are offended because they're too proud. Because humility can never be offended. You know, it's hard to bring a man down when he's already brought himself down. And Brother James comes down here and lays on the floor. Hey, man, I can't, I can't knock him down. He's already down. You ever met people like that? You, you can be in a group and somebody says something to them real cutting. And you almost blush for the person that made the comment. But this person just flows with it. They don't even, they're not even trouble. It's humility. That's all that is. The person that bristles and gets tight. There's this tense. And, because they're proud. But that humble person, they can just, 
It's just like water on a duck's back. Amen. Romans 12 and 16. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Amen. Pride says I'm important. Pride says I have the right to be bitter. Amen. People that become offended because of pride have a far too exalted opinion of themselves. Even in the natural, you know. Again, going back to Charlie's poor workers. Amen. We're using them uh, this morning as a real example. But, you know, you hear these things. It's, it's disturbing. This is what this generation has been raised up to become. Amen. Because they've never been disciplined. They've never been told no. Amen. Twelve o'clock midnight. I want a cookie. And mom and daddy runs down to the store to give them a cookie. You're creating a monster. Somebody's going to tell them no one day. Little two-year-old. No, no, Johnny. Up and down, screaming and hollering, throwing a fit. That's a 22-year-old pulling a 38. He'd been in the face of a clerk at a Circle K when he says, open your cash register and give me $200. And when they say, I can't do that. Amen, I, I, I can't even open the cash. Bam! Amen, you're dead because you didn't do what I told you to do. All my life, mom and daddy and grandma and grandpa and everybody around me, even the public school, they dance around me because the whole culture is given to rebellion. Creating people that can't hear no. Amen. That's why you cross that job from the earliest days of their life. Get them used to hearing no. Even sinners 50 years ago didn't act like that. That's why America's what it was. America ain't never been perfect. America's always been wicked, always needed God. But I tell you, Christianity affected Western culture. That's why 50 years ago you could go anywhere in this country and find people that worked hard and were responsible and were willing to say, I'm wrong, I did something wrong, I've got to pay the consequences, whatever it may be. But this whole spirit is because we've drifted from God. Just people full of pride. I can remember when I worked out at the plant, they had that union, nothing more disgusting and vile and wicked as a union. Amen. I mean, I tell you, it turned my stomach, the things that they did out there. Amen. Get hard for, you know, $20 an hour working in a job. Amen. It, it makes you blush what they asked us to do. Hardly nothing. to get paid $50,000 a year with full benefits. And you got this union over there standing in the corner, jumping up and down like a bunch of babies and saying, that owner and that company owes me a living. I want a raise or I'm walking out. I'd have been the owner. I'd have said, you walk out. I'll hire somebody to appreciate the job. And our laws are made even to accommodate such wickedness. I used to use my little... They used to try to pressure me to join their union. I said, I wouldn't join your union. You skin me alive. I'm a Christian. Amen. I'm content with my wages. I will be a part of your wickedness. They didn't hotbox me and try to get me in a corner, tell me I was a, a, a scab or whatever they called people. Amen. They had, a, had a, 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 a strike there and I crossed the line. Amen. And preached to them while I crossed it. Amen. It's a wicked spirit. I used to use my little analogy about the lawn boy. I didn't know I was one day going to be a lawn boy. <laughs> Amen. Thank God. You know, I, I have to apply that to me now. You know, I said, if you hired a lawn boy and he agreed to cut your grass for $10, uh, you know, $10 a cut, and then you came home one day from work, I told this to these men in the union. I said, you agree? You sit down with him. He says, I will cut the grass every Friday for $10. Then one day you come home from work and he got your wife up against the wall with a shovel and a pick and he slapped $10. 
for what you promised. You said you agreed to cut for ten dollars. But that's the kind of spirit we have in this house. People that have too high of an opinion of themselves. Once a person has been offended, and then if they harbor a grudge, it'll turn into a dungeon of bitterness. Proverbs 18 and 19. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And their conscience or contentions are like the bars of a castle. And I've seen that in church. You let a Christian really just embrace that offense. And then they become deceived because the devil comes in like a flood and you can just plead with them and pray for them and try to reason with them and they just cannot see it. This kind of person, what do they do? They build walls around themselves and they lock themselves inside. Amen. And then they're in this sinful, selfish, self-driven anger and they'll make all kind of statements that that lady will resent. But guess what? They're too proud to recant. Oh, this is really true in marriage. That's why you need to watch your tongue and the things you say to one another in the heat of the moment. Don't you say words. You know that divorce word, don't you ever say that. Oh, don't you ever say that. Amen. I've been married several years, over a decade. I've never told my wife I was going to divorce her. Never. That's sin. You hear me? She's never said that to me. We made a commitment. We don't say things like that. You don't make that statement. You don't say words. You don't cross lines and say words like that. And in the heat of the moment, you can be tempted. And especially once you say things, and then that pride that wants to keep a man from saying, I was wrong. I should have never said something. It's totally wicked that I said it. You know, in retrospect, we all know when you say something, you know it's selfish. You know it's rooted. It's, it's it's unclean. It's filthy. And you know it is. You know it just, it has the stench of hell upon it. And we need to be free from pride. Amen. That we don't fall on the stair of offense. It's easier for people to get mad and then to blame other people than to face the reality that maybe God was trying to deal with them. A lot easier just to say, well, if you wouldn't have said what you said, and if you wouldn't have done what you did, then I wouldn't have did what I did. And that, that's what's wrong. You're the problem and not me. Amen. They get offended, they take the bait, and they embrace bondage. And I can tell you, that's it. That ain't going away. You hear me? It's not going to fade away. They're going to have to deal with that right there. Well, that's the end of it. That's the end of the line. You're not going to pray with that spirit. You're going to have to make that right. Amen. Or you're going to be cut off from the grace of God. Amen. You know, you can build a prison cage of offense for yourself, and you may be able to lure some fools in there with you, but God's not going to sit down in that cage with you. You hear me? He's not coming in there. You're not going to partake of His grace. Amen. You're not going to walk in divine favor. You're not going to have the power of the Holy Ghost if you go to that place. And we've all experienced that. What happens? Amen. In a moment of time, amen, the wrong spirit, and you're cut off in the Spirit of God. Amen. It's great. And you know it. I mean, everything comes in. That old man gets up out of that grave, that whiskey-drinking, dope-smoking, cursing, lust-filled. He rises up. You can sense him all the day. Amen. And the only way to put him back in that grave is to embrace that cross. But if you embrace that cross, you're going to die with him. Amen. You're going to die with him. That's the cost. Amen. Going to have to humble ourselves. People get offended because their perception is perverted. Obadiah, one and three, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. In other words, they carry a chip on their shoulder. 
and a chip causes people to misinterpret most things as an offense. They usually blame their offenses on others, but they never see they are self-sensitive. And that's what you find many times. We've had people like that here. Amen. They got offended and left. But I mean, if you just didn't, you had to pamper such people. I mean, you had to always be careful. If you said the wrong, then they're ready to quit. You're not really serving Jesus if I can make you quit. You hear me? You're not really serving God if I do something or your brother or your sister does something makes you ready to throw in the towel. Your heart's wrong from the get-go. You need to get things right. They've been using these people have deep wounds, unforgiveness, bitterness that produces fear and bondage. And I'm not suggesting for a moment that they're victims, they're culprits. Hey, then you say, I'm wounded, I'm hurt, it's your fault. You don't have to be hurt, and you don't have to be wounded. You hear me? That's nobody's fault but yours. It's a different thing to say, I've been through a lot in my life, but I come out smelling like a rose. I got the fragrance of Christ. I hadn't been spoiled. Hey, that's a different thing saying, I'm hurt. If you're hurt, that's your fault. Doesn't matter what somebody did to you. If you're wounded, that's your problem. You're the problem. No one else is the problem. Get a mirror, five by ten, put it up on the wall and stand in front of it. That's your problem. Life size problem. Take a photograph. And then put it next to your bed. You're the problem. Nobody else is the problem. You've got the problem. And you through Christ can make it right. We're all going to have to go through things. Amen. The whole church world full of people like this that have never dealt with this issue and the preacher never causes them to face themselves. Hey, then this, is, this causes people to unknowingly be ultra-sensitive and selfish. The world calls this self-hate or low self-esteem. There is no such thing. I said there is no such thing. For example, suicide is the highest form of self-love. If I believe the Bible, I reject this psycho battle across the board. Ephesians 5 and 29 says, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh. Either God's a liar or he's not. Let every man be a liar. The word of God is true. All this depression and all, that's self-love. That's what that is. They call it low self-esteem. No, you ate up with yourself. You need to go to the cross and let the cross do away with you. Then you'll have peace. Amen. And Satan, he'll use these sinful and sensitive feelings as a means to manipulate those he holds in the bondage of offense. Once a man gets offended, he's like a puppet on a string. The devil can pull, pull him any direction he wants. Then they just and I, let's just be real. Have you ever had, you ever, you know, had a fight with your wife or with your husband? And you're offended. And then the rest of the day, everything they say, it just, you know, there's an argument. Why? Because the first thing back here wasn't taken care of. So if you walk in a... What? What? I didn't say anything. Both of you just walking around the house like that. Is that right? Why? Because the first thing wasn't dealt with. And then you become really sensitive. Amen. Then you misinterpret everything. Amen. Then both of you are totally deceived. Amen. You've got to go back to the beginning. And what happened. When you make it right, you say, well, honey, you know, earlier today when we said this, or when I said this, or you did that, or what have you, I was wrong. And, and you make up, and then there's freedom and liberty. How, how long does it take? Immediately. 
to make things right. You see, do you understand? Everything has to be made right. People get offended because of false expectations. Amen. False expectations. This is very important, especially in marriage. Most hurt feelings come from the result of disappointment in people. You know, we ought to look uh, for our fulfillment to come from Christ and Christ alone. And it'll be found out who, you, who, you, who really makes you happy. Who really, amen, where do you derive your peace from? If it's somebody or something other than Christ, it's going to be exposed. Amen. And we ought to know better than to put our expectations as human beings. The Bible is very clear. Now, I'm not saying, listen to me, Christians ought to be holy. And Christians ought to be right. And we ought to be able to trust Christians. Nevertheless, the Bible says, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. So we need to face it. Amen. Men will let you down. Because the best of men always have their free will, so they have the ability to backslide. And if a man backslides, I promise you, he's going to do you wrong. He will. Because all sinners live for themselves. Amen. I mean some more directly than others. But a sinner lives for themselves, so if it comes down to you and them, they're going to save their own hide. So you know, always be rooted in Christ. Amen. Mature believers should know to avoid putting confidence in men is a trap, even in Christians. Because we know, we believe, we preach that Christians can live holy, they can live free from sin, but they still possess a free will. So unfortunately, they have the ability to err and to sin. We can never overlook that. Amen. So we always keep rooted in Christ. Amen. I've been in churches where the pastor went nuts, went crazy. I mean, I've been in two out of the three churches I was in. The pastor took a left turn, amen, about face, and went in the opposite direction of what he taught me. Awful things that I saw. I mean, that's horrible. It was an awful thing to watch. But I wouldn't offend it because I'm a Christian. That's not my God. My God's still on the throne, and He's never done me wrong. Amen. I got no reason for me to be offended. Just compelled me to be a pure testimony that I myself don't do that to somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. So we need to understand that. Hebrews 12 and 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. I'm about halfway through. I've gone on a lot of rabbit trails. Amen. People often get offended with the preaching of the Word of God. And this is a very important issue right here. Mark six seventeen through 20. We read of John the Baptist. He preached and publicly rebuked Herod. Since for Herod himself had seen, sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For he had married her. For John said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him. That word quarrel means to keep a grudge. Why? Because he publicly rebuked her husband. And she was offended with him. So she would have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John. It was in her heart to to have to have a grudge against somebody, especially for preaching the word of God. Amen. It's akin to murder. 
It's a kingdom murder. And this is so common in the church world today because nobody wants to be corrected or crossed by the word of God. You remember the gospel of John when Jesus began to rebuke that, that crowd, the clutter he wanted to cut down to the bare minimum. Amen. They were seeking him for his works. Amen. They said, you seek me for the fishes and the loaves. He said that you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they said, that is a hard saying, and who can receive it? And you know, in this hour, you'll preach and expose the man's sin, and they'll say, well, you know, that's just too hard a preaching. That's always a sign that something's wrong. Friend, I can tell you, let anybody say that preaching's too hard. Friend, I'm going to tell you, there's something wrong with that heart. Because the issue is not how hard it is. The issue is, was it true or not? Was it true or not? I've had people tell me, you know, it's just your delivery. It's difficult to receive from you because of your delivery. Well, maybe you ought to just consider. I'll consider your criticism of me, but maybe you ought to just consider, amen, that it's my delivery that is exposing the pride of your heart. Not long ago, I had a man tell me as I was dealing with him, he goes, you know, I'm a man, not a baby. I'm a man. You know, I thought to myself, what a spirit. Amen, you weren't acting like a man, according to God, or I would have to be rebuking you. Amen, the Bible says you've got to become as a little child to enter into the kingdom of God. Leave that on the street. Amen. That's not, there's no place in the kingdom of God for that. People full of pride that can't receive correction. Amen, I've seen the spotlight of God. Amen, exposed people in this house. In fact, I would say, if I, I'm probably not mistaken, there's never been a time, or there's always, there's been a time in this house for every one of you where it seemed like God was homing in on you. Where it seemed like the message was directly to you. Where God just, you know, just sifted you out of the congregation and stood you up front and just dismantled you piece by piece. I believe that's happened to almost everybody in here. Oh, you know, it's one thing when, you know, Sister Smith and Brother Smith over here is getting dealt with, but what about when the Word of God is exposing us? We never know we're rebels until we have the opportunity to rebel. It's always, oh, I can submit until I'm crossed. Then we find out, are we going to submit to the Word of God? The deception of offense with the Word of God is to mistake the voice of God for the voice of a man. In 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13, Paul commended the Thessalonian church. He said, for this cause also, thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God, which effectually worketh also in you to believe. Because they believed that. Even because the word was mixed with faith, it was profitable to them. They believed that this is God speaking. And as I told you the other night, you are not obligated, amen, to put your brain to the side. You are to judge everything that I say by the word of God. But if it is the word of God, you're obligated to submit to it, no matter how hard you think it is, no matter how narrow you think it is. If you can't refuse that that's the truth of God, then as a Christian, you must believe that God is speaking to you. Amen. Do you understand? That's true for me. That's true for every single person in the body of Christ. If it's not the Scripture, you're not obligated to come under it. But if it's the Bible, you have to bow the knee and say, Amen. Amen. If we refuse to receive the truth as God uttered, then it benefits us nothing. And remember what he said about sound doctrine. They won't endure it. They won't tolerate it. But the sound doctrine must be endured. 
which implies that sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. Amen. What are some of the characteristics of offended people? I'm going to just move through this quickly. Offended people, they shift the blame. It's not their fault. Somebody else's fault. They have a victim mentality. They're convinced that their spirit and their attitude, amen, is due to the actions of other people. And they always have their reasoning. And it's always perverted and selfishness. Selfish. Listen to me. The Adamic nature is always going to bring forth the reflection of its father, which is Adam. And Adam was a blame shifter. What did he say to God? I'm not the problem. It's his wife he gave me. She's the problem. So they always shift the blame. They're touchy. They're short-fused. They're hypersensitive to themselves. You know, you can't be sensitive to the Holy Ghost and sensitive to yourself at the same time. Somebody's got to be denied. Hey, when you find insensitivity to the Holy Ghost, is always a sign of hypersensitivity to ourselves. We're either going to be hospitable, amen, to God, or hospitable to men. And he must receive the preeminence, amen, because of this. Offended people misinterpret everything. They can reel off a list of wrongs that someone supposedly committed against them, but they usually have no evidence but just this lurking, haunting hunt of what people's motive is. And again, ladies, I speak directly to you. A great warfare in submitting to your husband. Because the devil will tell you his motive is not right. And as soon as you do that, you step out from under the umbrella of your covering. And you are going to be discipled by the devil. That's the truth every time. You see, you better, you better deny or reject or resist that lie of the devil against the motive of your husband's heart. I'm not talking about if he tells you something totally unscriptural. I'm talking about he tells you something that costs you, but it doesn't seem to cost him. And, and the devil says he's doing that because it's better for him. Instead of thinking what you should think, he's just leaving the household the way that he feels like he should. Amen. And it just so happens that's going to cost me, and I've got to do the will of God. Amen. You know, I've had people in here say, you know, you like brothers and sisters so-and-so better than you like me. I mean, you know, what kind of childishness is that? I, you know, you you like this person. You spend more time with this person than that person. You think I'm going to cater to that? You think I'm going to get? You think I'm going to answer that? I mean, that's a wrong spirit. Amen. And any that's not true. I love every one of you, but I can tell you this: even if I did, get the victory. Who are you serving? Me or God? Be consumed with God and not with who, you know, seems to like you or not. Amen. That's carnality. You know, it's not uncommon for offended people to actually stop going to church and even stop serving Christ over petty offenses. They get offended spiritually in a church. They lock themselves in a little cage. Amen. They don't leave their problem. They take their problem with them. You know, everywhere you go, you bring yourself along. Amen. That's the main battle you fight. It's not the devil. It's you. Amen. And wherever you go, you're with yourself. Amen. You can leave here. Well, maybe I'll go to California and things will be better. You're taking yourself with you. You're going to have to face it. So they go, get to go to another little place, sit down. Amen. Somebody offends them. They pick up their little cage and they go park it somewhere else. 
and they want somebody to come by and say, poor little sweet baby, they were so mean to you over there, and you were so misunderstood, and you were so mistreated. Amen. That's what they're looking for. Somebody to sympathize with that demon that they have. Amen. You know, reject the devil and be made free. Amen. It's all so common for offended people just to walk out of your life and never say anything. Or never admit that they're offended. And that's very common. They act like there's no problem when it's obvious. In other words, I'm offended. Big, bold, red letters blinking like a neon light on their forehead. I'm offended. I've lost the victory. Uh, have I offended you? No. Offended? Well, whatever made you think that I'm offended? Well, I'll tell you what, you're acting, your spirit, it doesn't, no, I'm not offended. There's nothing wrong with me. Too full of pride to admit it. Huh? Don't want to get hemmed up. Then what they do? They hide. Just like Adam, what did he do? He hid. Hey, Ben, and God come to fetch him. But he hid, why? Because he didn't want to be exposed. That's being childish. Isn't it embarrassing? It's shameful. I'm being, I'm playing a little, little child here. And when someone asks me directly, then I want to hide. Because, no, I'm not that selfish. I'm not, I'm not really, you know, succumbing to that, that kind of carnality. But, you know, it would be better just to say, yeah, I'm sorry. And I forgive you. And you forgive me. And I don't have any right, amen, to even be offended. That's what we need to do. Amen. Use the offended people's forgiveness, though, is superficial. They go through the motions of forgiveness, but deep within they think too highly of themselves to offer pardon to someone who wronged their God. It's hard for us to have peace when our God's being offended and crossed. And if our God is ourself, then we lose the victory. Offended people lose their joy. Hey, man, you can't be offended and have joy at the same time. You can have a smile. You can clap hard and try to cover it up. You can pray in tongues and try to, you know, cloak it with a religious, you know, facade. But your spirit man screams out that there's no joy. See, we can't be upbeat and content when our God is not honored. Offended people struggle with serving God. Amen, we're Christians. We're, we're called to what? Carry a cross, not to carry offenses. Amen. Offenses are going to weigh down that spiritual life. They're going to restrict the flow of God's grace. An offense breeds more offense. An offended man becomes more and more easily offended. Offended folks say that they're serving God, yet inwardly they wonder, why am I struggling so much? Every day it gets harder and harder to serve God because they're carrying the heavy load of offense, bitterness, and unforgiveness. Remember, Jesus gave a parable to warn of the danger of unforgiveness. And he said of that individual that would not forgive his brother and his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. And we thank God when we look at this. I mean, see, why was the parable told? Here's a man that owes, and I'm just putting it in everyday American vernacular. He owes a billion dollars to his master. He comes and falls on his face. I can't repay. Have mercy on me. He says, I forgive you all. Just freely gave him, you know, gave him mercy and forgave him the debt. Then he goes out and somebody owes him 10 cents and he's trying to choke him to death. Now that, I'm going to tell you what, that ought to provoke a righteous 
indignation in any holy man. That's why Jesus, he's exposing that spirit. So when we, when we're bitter against someone, when we, when we hold, uh, you know, unforgiveness against our brother, amen, in, in, in light of the gospel covenant where we have been forgiven a debt that no man could repay, that had to be paid with the precious blood of Christ, that's a repulsive thing. And it makes God angry. Amen. That's why you turned over to the tormentors when you won't forgive. Amen. That's why, you know, you know it's true. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. You, 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 if you get in the spirit of forgiveness, you'll just be tormented in your mind. Amen. This is the opposite of what Jesus said our walk should be like when he said, Take my yoke up on me, up on you. He said, Those that are, are that labor and are heavy laden, come and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest under your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's what true Christianity should be like. Because of grace, it's supernatural. It doesn't mean that we're not something required of us. It means that there's much more required of us, because much has been given to us. But because of grace, amen, it's effortless. And remember, a prayerless man will by and by become offended. Why do you say that, Brother Britt? Because it's Christ and the light of Christ that exposes our heart. You know, not long ago I told you a, a little parable about that. You know, if, if Brother Charlie was driving home from church one uh, evening, uh, late, you know, and his car broke down, I was behind him. And, you know, he got out of the car Well, he knows that there's something wrong. Is that right? Obviously his car won't run. And me and him can get out and talk, well, your car's broke down. There's a problem. But we're going to have to bring light on the situation to become specific. And say, your carburetor, your spark plug, something specific. This is the problem so we can get in and fix it. Well, so it is with our heart. You know, a lot of people say, well, I was wrong. And I, I just had a wrong spirit. But oh, you get in the presence of God. And that light will make things very, very specific. That thing you said to that person was not right. That thought you thought. That I, he becomes very specific. And he, why does he do that? Because he wants that specific thing dealt with specifically. All this general, well, I, I was wrong, brother. Oh no, there's no freedom in that. You're going to have to get down to the nuts and bolts of things. Amen. Offended people walk by circumstances instead of by faith. Amen. They become victims of their situation. They become dead to the word, alive to the temporal realm. They allow their conditions to dictate. They become weak and bound and enslaved. They become controlled instead of commanding control. Amen. That Christian is to maintain spiritual freedom at all times and in the midst of every situation, but that's only by grace. Amen. No situation is too great for a Christian to walk in victory. Amen. What's the remedy? And this is the last thing here this morning. The remedy. First thing, we need to embrace the cross. We need to truly identify with Jesus and his crucifixion. It says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. That's Galatians 5 and 24. Dead men do not get offended. You go down here to the funeral parlor and just approach a corpse and you can hurl one insult after another, he'll never respond. He's dead. It isn't going to bother him. He's not going to be offended. Even offense is always a sign of an uncrucified man. Galatians 5 and 20, speaking of the works of the flesh, 
hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, and strife. Amen. That's all tied in with offense. Amen. The cross is the instrument whereby we are to destroy our greatest enemy, the old man. And he is the only one that gets offended. Offense is always linked to that old carnal nature. Amen. The second thing we need to do, which is a remedy for offense, is to keep our heart. Proverbs 4 and 23, keep our heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Now, how are we to do that? We're going to have to spend time with Jesus. You hear me? Apart from Jesus, apart from spending time with Christ, your heart will deceive you. You are not equipped to discern your heart apart from the Spirit of God. That's why it's so important, amen, to go before God every day and allow and to pray through into His presence. And in His presence there is light that exposes and brings our heart constantly, amen, under the scrutiny of the Word of God. And then day in and day out we keep our heart. Amen. If we're not doing that, then we're not keeping our heart. That's why when you find a man that grows cold for a season or he baptized, you may not be able to detect that in his doctrine because he may remain orthodox for many years. Even his life may not falter into brazen sin for a long period of time. But whenever he prays back through, he'll, he'll be, you know, oh no! I, oh Lord, I didn't know all this was in my heart! Because he gets back into the presence of God. And that light exposes all the inward workings. Amen. We can't stop offensive things from happening, but we can respond properly when we have the opportunity to be offended. First Peter 2 and 20, For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently? But if when you be well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Amen. That's acceptable. Not when, you know, I'm buffeted. You know, it's destroying things. You can't even correct people in the house of God these days with the truth. In other words, they're wrong. And you say, this is right. They won't even, they won't even tolerate that, much less. Amen. When you correct them and perhaps you're mistaken. And they will, you see, the whole thing says, you just ought to take it anyway. Just suffer the wrong. Amen. Even if, if you're buffeted, amen, and you're not wrong, just go ahead and take it. That's acceptable. God's well pleased with that. Of course, we can only guard our hearts by consistently waiting in the light of God's holy countenance. And the last thing here this morning, apply love and forgiveness. Luke 17, 3-4, Jesus said, take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourselves. He's going to talk about forgiveness, but he says, you better take heed to yourself. Not to your brother who's done you wrong, but you take heed to yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if you repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Love is the ultimate cure for every illness, every sin, every offense. It will eradicate all self-centeredness, and it thrives on its own interests and rights. First Peter 4 and 8, And above all things, have fervent charity or love among yourselves for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. I mean, just walk in love. Just be tender-hearted, one toward another, forgiving each other as Christ also forgave us. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Hallelujah. The trap of offense.